we look at the history of the church, it's really a miracle that we're here today. There have been many wars fought, many catastrophic historical events. You look at the lives of the early Christians, the many, many years, developments of the church, the different schisms, the Reformation, the different scandals and corruption that have been found. Yet we are here. There can be a question as to why. I think you look specifically as those who held the faith. We look to the saints particularly as a help to help us, to pray for us, to intercede on our behalf, but also to look to their lives to see how we may be called to live as well. To be inspired to know that it is possible to live and grow in holiness. And you look at the lives of the saints, especially, I would say, the martyrs, and you see the many struggles and difficulties that in every era, a saint is countercultural, against the world, living against the grain, a sort of salmon. And as they live this, they encounter much opposition, struggle, pain, and even, in many ways, death in martyrdom. And the question may be, why and how? I think the answer simply is that the saints and those who have held the faith, the saints who we know, the saints that we don't know so much, had grit. Grit is basically, it's a slang, um, not used so much anymore, but it's courage and determination despite difficulty. We see this oftentimes, especially in, you know, (laughs) I like to look at it in, in cowboys. You see cowboys have grit. They have that kind of tough attitude that, you know what, the job's got to get done, we got to do, we got to get through it, and we're going to. Even if it's hard, even if it's painful. You don't see much grit nowadays. We, we're very comfortable. We're a very comfortable world today. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not suffering and there's not struggle and there's not pain, but we like to seek comfort. When it comes to opposition, when it comes to discomfort, we see it as something being wrong. But as we're called to be disciples of Christ, and as the apostles were called to, There can be fear. There can be that worry of persecution or rejection or disappointment of what the Lord gives us. We see this in particular in the apostles. We see it as um, in the, the gospel reading as they are awaiting. They heard Jesus had been resurrected and here he is. He pops up in front of them. and He says, do not be afraid. And then he breathes the Holy Spirit on them. And then again, we have them afraid after the ascension. Jesus is gone and they're waiting for something to happen. But there they are fearful. They don't have a guide. They don't know what to do. They're in many ways um, scattered and they're very fearful. They lack boldness, we should say. We would say they lack spiritual grit because they lack the spirit. But then as we hear in the first reading, we see that descent of the Holy Spirit. That which allows them or allowed them to go out into the world to the point where now here in Mesa, Arizona, we are gathered to celebrate as one people in Christ, strengthened by the Holy Spirit, participating in the miracle of the celebration of the Mass, this continuation of that grace and new life in Christ. So I think it might be helpful for us because oftentimes we, um, especially when we run into struggle or difficulty, we look to other ways, other places in our lives um, to, to assist us, to empower us, to give us peace. And they always turn out lacking. But instead to, you know, especially today as we celebrate the Pentecost feast, 
the receiving of the Holy Spirit, which we have, each and every one of us baptized in Jesus Christ dwelling within us, that we remember that we can call upon this Holy Spirit that allows us to live as beloved sons and daughters of God, to participate in this new life in Christ, even and most especially when it's hard, when things are difficult. So the first thing I want to draw attention to is actually, you know, after the apostles are waiting for fear of being persecuted and possibly killed, they're in the upper room. The first thing they encounter of the Holy Spirit is this rushing wind, like a rushing wind in this upper room. And this is a very powerful symbol of the Holy Spirit. We see this at the beginning of creation, that, that wind, that creating wind, the word of, of God spoke everything into being. And then again, that very same word, incarnate, breathed on the apostles. That life was breathed into Adam and Eve. And now we have this this guiding, life-giving breath of the Holy Spirit, this wind entering into this upper room. I find a very helpful image for us, especially when it comes to times when we may feel lost or doubtful, especially when it comes to our relationship with God, because sometimes we become fearful or distrustful of maybe where the Lord's calling us to. Maybe he's calling us into a more intimate, deep relationship. Maybe we're on the fringes of giving up and moving away. Maybe the Lord is calling us to something that we know is going to be incredibly hard. Maybe healing, maybe forgiveness, maybe to be a witness in the world. And we don't trust that guidance. And um, to give this image, uh, just imagine your soul as a sailboat. It's a little goofy, but imagine your sail as a sailboat in the middle of the ocean. And, you know, a sailboat needs wind to move. If a sailboat doesn't have wind, it stays. It's dead in the water. And oftentimes we think, well, if I don't go with God's plan, then there's going to be wind pushing against me. This isn't the case. It just means we're not going anywhere. It means we're dead in the water. Our faith is dead. Our soul is not moving. It is not living. It's not participating in that new life we have been welcomed into. But if we're good sailors, any good sailor worth his or her salt knows how to read the wind and move with the wind. We recognize where the wind is moving us and we move with the wind, then we move with God's plan. We move with the Holy Spirit. You can't do so tentatively. You can't test it out and see, well, is this going to work out? Or we can't do it half-heartedly, but we have to commit in trusting the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit guides us. To intentionally seek out to understand where the wind is where the Holy Spirit is moving in my life and how to move and allow it to move me. So we have this very powerful image of the Holy Spirit as a guiding force. And we too are called even now, many, many years later, to trust ourselves and trust ourselves to the Holy Spirit, which guided the apostles, the saints, the martyrs, all the way to now, where the Holy Spirit is alive and well guiding us in our lives. Now, not everyone has the same path. We are all called to move and to be moved in different ways by the Holy Spirit, but to entrust ourselves first and foremost to God's plan and how he is calling us to entrust ourselves to that plan. So we have the wind, but then we have this very odd image. As a kid, (laughs) I always thought it very interesting. When you hear tongues of flame, you think like tongues on fire, like flapping tongues. Maybe that's what it was. I would have been horrified if I were an apostle. But you have these tongues of flame. Two very distinct images combined. You have flame, fire, this unrelenting force, this vibrant, bold force. Then you have tongues representing the gift of speech, the ability and power of speaking words into the world, that words have power. These two combined 
give the apostles in receiving the Holy Spirit the ability to go out and to boldly face the world without fear, both in the struggles and pains, and then also with that boldness to proclaim the word of God, to proclaim the gospel. We don't often see that today. (laughs) We see it in, in some ways, in some places, but oftentimes we're more concerned about what other people think or how our words will be received rather than the words themselves. That Jesus Christ spoke boldly to reveal the truth of the Father. And he has tasked us as his disciples to go out and to speak boldly as well. And it's not a chart of, you know, how successful we are, how many people listen to us. But it's living as though our tongues are on fire with the word of God. That we, if we truly participate and engage with the Holy Spirit in the gifts of that word which has been given to us, in written scripture, in tradition, in who we are as beloved sons and daughters of God and disciples of Christ, then we cannot help but proclaim boldly that faith. There's this great quote, this great verse from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was, um, not a bullfrog, Jeremiah was a a prophet. And as a prophet, um, he had a very tough job that he was meant to basically correct the Israelites and say, guys, you've lost your way. You've lost the law, that you're not following the path to God. And nobody likes somebody telling them you're doing it wrong. (laughs) So to be a, a prophet raised by God was was very, very difficult and not a liked job. So there's this one dialogue he has with himself where he's having an internal conflict where he's like, I don't want to do this. That even as, I, um, as I'm called to, to be a servant of the Lord, that I encounter many difficulties, many struggles, many pains. But here we see in this internal conflict, he says, I, I, I say I will not mention him. He's speaking about God. I will no longer speak his name. But then it is as if a fire is burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. I grow weary, holding back, I cannot. That this is what it means to truly engage and live out that word of God. That I cannot help but profess. I cannot help but speak words of truth when it comes to my, rela- my relationship with the Lord. That I must profess God. I must profess the gospel message. Not fearful, not only with some people who already agree with me, not here in Mass with my prayer group and at home, but with people who maybe don't want to hear it, people who maybe don't agree with me, that I don't compartmentalize my faith, but it is part of who I am, and I am bold in it. And this boldness goes beyond just proclaiming the faith. It goes to trusting in God, that when we do encounter pain and suffering, when we encounter death, difficulty and struggle in the world we don't abandon ship but we recognize that we can be bold even then in our faith and trusting in the Lord Lord I will get through this Lord I can it's an incredible witness whenever I see someone going through an incredibly difficult time where you ask them how are you doing this how are you getting through this and they say because of my Lord and Savior because of God without God I would be nothing I could not handle this I could not make it through Whereas oftentimes we're tempted to curse God, to throw him away and to give up. But it's those times we really truly encounter struggle and darkness in the world. We are called to instead be bold in entrusting ourselves to his love and mercy. To move in faith, a bold faith, not a tentative faith, not not a, a faith with conditions. But a faith that moves fully into that newness of life. 
the new life in Christ. Finally, we have this very odd occurrence as the apostles go out and they start preaching. You know, they got the tongues of fire, they got to preach. They go out and preach to the many gathered there for Pentecost from all over the world, from different backgrounds, different cultural squabbles, and now they're all here together in this one place and there's no communication, there's division. We can see this even in our own church today. We can see this in the world today where there is this division. And usually the division is based on differences, hugely based on politics nowadays. But even back then, there was great division. What the Lord was calling them to do by his Holy Spirit in that moment is to begin that unity. They're called into unity, not by any force of the world, not by any power or or desire for um, a greater world power, but instead in Jesus Christ as one body of one spirit. We see this as almost like an anti-Babel event, that we had the Tower of Babel, and with the Tower of Babel, you know, men got together to, to use their ability to communicate together <laughs> instead of creating something beautiful or reflecting that great gift of the creator. They wanted to build a giant tower to transcend God. They wanted to use this power for the sake of earthly power. But then the Lord scrambled their ability to speak and there was division. But here instead of putting our faith in earthly power, in greed, in money, in wealth, that instead we are called to unity in Christ. And with this, the apostles were able to speak beyond the languages, beyond the cultures. But they were able to speak the words of faith. And we see this active today. But again, here in Arizona, so many miles away from Jerusalem, we see it throughout the corners of the earth that Jesus Christ has proclaimed that faith transcends these languages, these cultures. That there is a language of faith in Jesus Christ where we are united beyond our cultures, beyond our backgrounds, beyond our wounds, but we are healed and united in the body of Christ. Is this unity that we are called to as a church, even as the body of Christ is in many ways harmed and broken, something we can pray for most especially, but we are called to even here at Queen of Peace. So my encouragement, especially as we're about to finish out this Easter season, is we're going into ordinary time, Ordinary time isn't a time to give up and say, okay, well, the special fun time of Easter's over, and we got to wait till Christmas till the next fun season comes around. But instead, to recognize this is a time that we are challenged, more particularly to go out and to boldly live our faith. That like the apostles, we have received the Holy Spirit, and now we are called in our own capacity, in our own ways, in our own unique uh, situation in life, to be like apostles, to be disciples of Christ in the world, to share that gift of faith to be bold in how we speak and what we speak of, and to not be afraid to entrust ourselves to the Lord, knowing that we have the Advocate, that we have the Holy Spirit, strengthening us, granting us grace, and assuring us of God's love and mercy. Amen.